Hi, I'm Pastor Nick Stavropoulos. Rosewood Church of the Nazarene is the church where I have the privilege of pastoring, and we're so glad that you are with us for this service. There is a lot of anger. There is a lot of anger in our world. Anger over COVID-19, anger over racial discrimination, anger over many things. Recently, I shared with you part one of the message entitled Anger Management. I also acknowledge the fact that these messages, and I acknowledge the fact today that this message on anger is based on an outline and a message by Rick Warren, along with my own study of the Bible, experience, and research. In part one, on anger management, I shared with you these initial steps. I said step one was and is realize the cost of uncontrolled anger. We have to all understand that uncontrolled anger can cause a lot of problems, a lot of pain. Proverbs 29 verse 22 says this, an angry person starts fights. We know that, don't we? It says, a hot-tempered person commits all kinds of sin. That's the New Living Translation. So step one is, realize the cost of uncontrolled anger to help you, to help us with anger management. Step two is this, decide to manage your anger. You and I have to make a choice, make a decision to manage our anger. Don't just assume, well, that's the way it is. Proverbs 29, verse 11 says, A fool, a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. That's the Living Bible translation. Then step three. Step three in anger management is this. Think and reflect before reacting. Think and reflect before reacting. James 1, 19, 20 says this. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. That's step three. Now, today, before I go on with part two of anger management, I want to further address the tragic death of Mr. George Floyd in the United States. As most of you know, his funeral was held this past week. What I had to say before about Mr. Floyd's death was posted on YouTube and on our church website, but it may be that not all of you have seen that or heard that. Sadly, on May 25, George Floyd, age 46, a black man, died after being restrained by a Minneapolis white police officer. The policeman pinned George Floyd's neck to the ground for nearly nine minutes. And sadly, very sadly, he died. 
Many of you probably saw the terrible video on the news. An independent autopsy said his death was caused by asphyxiation from sustained pressure. Asphyxiation from sustained pressure. The Mayo Clinic in the United States defines asphyxiation as, quote, the state or process of being deprived of oxygen, which can result in unconsciousness or death, suffocation. The bottom line is, Mr. George Floyd couldn't breathe, and he died. The death of George Floyd was terribly and totally wrong. It was totally wrong. It should not have happened. George was black. No matter what race or culture the victim had been, no one should have unnecessarily died like that. No one. It was wrong. When I first heard about George's death, I became very upset. And in fact, I became very angry about it. I'm still angry about what happened. I'm glad that the police officer who held his knee on George's neck was fired and has been charged with second-degree murder and manslaughter in the death of George Floyd. I'm also glad that the three other officers who were on the scene were also fired and have been charged as well. The Minneapolis chief of police said something very important. The chief of police, speaking about the three other fired policemen, said, being silent or not intervening to me, you are complicit. What does that mean? Complicit means involved with others in an illegal activity or wrongdoing. The chief of police also said, silence and inaction, you're complicit. You're complicit, he said. The chief went on to declare, if there were one solitary voice, if there were one solitary voice that, that would have intervened and acted, that's what I would have hoped for. That's what I would have hoped for. Essentially, the Minneapolis police chief said, all four police officers involved in George Floyd's death bear responsibility. And I agree with the chief. In theory, I should not have to say this, but I will. I want you to know that I, Pastor Nick Stavropoulos, and we at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene, and I'm sure other churches, other faiths, other Christians, are totally against police brutality. In theory, I shouldn't have to say that, but I want to just straightforwardly say that. It is, it is not something, police brutality is not something that we ever want to see. It's not something that God would ever want. Police brutality should not be shown towards any race, any culture, any person at all, period. Period. In saying what I've just said about police brutality, I am not trying to put down police officers. I honestly believe 
Most policemen and policewomen are wonderful people trying to do a very difficult job, no matter what city or town they are serving in. Police officers are men and women who in many cases are fathers, mothers, like many of us. Some officers go to church, some don't. Some coach Little League Baseball and others maybe coach basketball or soccer or some other sports when they're not on the job. Police officers are obviously humans like you and me. Uh, a few days after George Floyd died, I really appreciated what Prime Minister Trudeau said. Mr. Trudeau said this, he said, we must listen and learn what we must do to fight racism and injustice. He said, we need to be allies in the fight against discrimination. How true that is. That is so true for all of us. All of us need to do our part to stop racism and injustice of all forms of all forms. Ultimately, we all need the Holy Spirit to transform, to transform our hearts into hearts of love and understanding and compassion and goodness and patience and gentleness. Let it happen, Lord. Let it happen. All right. I want to continue with this message on anger management. We said that step one was realize the cost of uncontrolled anger. Step two, decide to manage your anger. Step three, think and reflect before reacting. Let's move on now to step Four. Step four is this. Release your anger appropriately. Release your anger appropriately. Oftentimes, the problem is not so much the anger. The problem is often the inappropriate release of anger. Think upon this verse. Ephesians 4, 26 says, And don't sin by letting anger control you. That's the New Living Translation from the Greek. The Good News Translation says, If you become angry, don't let your anger lead you into sin. What that verse is saying is, you, you can get angry and still not sin. You can get angry, but not sin. God says, don't let your anger lead you into sin. What's the Lord saying? He is saying there is a right way to express your anger, and there is a wrong way. There is a helpful way, and there is a harmful way to express your anger. It's not so much that sometimes you, you will have, or I will have anger. It's not so much that sometimes we have anger. 
It's how we release it. After the wrongful death of George Floyd, I can understand, I can understand there being peaceful demonstrations against racial discrimination. I am all for peaceful demonstrations. That would be an appropriate way to release anger. However, sadly, as we all know, there have been many, many violent demonstrations in which demonstrators set fires, vandalized businesses, looted, and in the process, more people have been injured or lost their lives. The Bible says, if you become angry, don't let your anger lead you into sin. Many times we express our anger in a way that moves us further from our goal. It doesn't move us closer to what we want, it, it moves us further away. I was thinking of how when our son Jeremy was a little boy, he was usually good and, and well-behaved, like most of your kids. Oh, we've got so many wonderful children at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene. There, they're just a joy to see and hear and talk with. But anyway, occasionally, however, when Jeremy got very angry about something as a boy, a little child, sometimes when he got angry about something, he would throw a temper tantrum thinking, thinking that if he ranted and raved, his father would give in to what he wanted. Have you ever had that experience with your child? When he threw those temper tantrums, I just, I just calmly listened to him and for sure, I didn't give in to whatever he wanted. His anger didn't get him closer to what he wanted. It drove him further away. It drove him further away from what he desired. I tried hard not to reward Jeremy for his bad behavior and anger. Now, uh, there were a few times when what he said in expressing his anger, I realized that I, I was wrong, and sometimes I had to say, this is simply the truth, sometimes I had to say, son, I am sorry. You have helped me to see that I misunderstood what you said or what you did. Jeremy, please forgive me. And in those times, Jeremy would kind of pat me on the back and say, oh, that's okay, Dad. Sometimes even fathers make mistakes. My friends, we need to expose a myth, a myth about anger that many people believe, but simply is not true. You see, some people think that everybody has a certain amount of anger. It's like you are carrying around these, uh, these buckets or gallons of anger with you. And the myth is that if you can get rid of that anger and, and you, you pour it all out, such as in an outburst of anger, the myth is then you are going to feel a whole lot better because you kind of poured out the bucket. 
That sounds nice, but it isn't true. Why? Because you don't have a limited number of buckets inside of you. You don't. You have a, a factory of anger. That's right. You have a factory of anger. Research shows that anger produces more anger, that aggression produces more aggression, that outbursts lead to more outbursts, that more anger leads to more anger and not to a reduction. Some people think, oh, I'll, I'll feel a lot better if I just get it all out. Let's get it all out. No. The problem with that is it can actually become a habit. That's right. I was listening to a message by Tim Keller called The Healing of Anger, in which he referred to a story in Psychology Today about a letter written to a newspaper counselor. The counselor told the mother of a three-year-old, all right, the counselor told the mother of a three-year-old uh, with anger problems to let him kick the furniture, to let him kick the furniture to get the anger out of his system. The writer in Psychology Today said, well, my mother, my mother used to let my three-year-old brother kick the furniture when he was three years old. He is now 32 years old. He's still kicking the furniture, what is left of it, but he is also kicking his wife, the kids, and anything else that gets in his way. He said, last week, he kicked a television out of the second story window, a window which had in fact been closed. That was quoted in a Psychology Today article which talked about how 30 or so years ago, psychologists talked about how it was okay to let all your anger out, to express your anger, but more and more people are starting to see that what Proverbs says in the Bible, what Proverbs says is right, and that is the more, the more you are angry, the more you need to be angry, and the more you lose control. Do you see the destructive power of anger? I'm sure you do. Proverbs 15 verse 1 says, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. That's a New Living Translation. The Good News Translation says, A gentle answer quiets anger, but a harsh one stirs it up. What kinds of answers do you give? Do I give? Why does a gentle answer quiet or reduce someone's, someone else's anger? Why? You ever thought about that? Because to begin with, a gentle answer quiets your own soul. Yes, a gentle answer quiets your own soul. Have you ever noticed that the louder you speak, 
The louder you speak, the more angry you often become. If you intentionally talk softer, very often your anger goes down. It really does. What is the best way to deal with anger in yourself? Pastor Rick Warren shares the following and says, don't suppress anger. Don't suppress it. In other words, don't store it up inside. It can harm your body. Don't repress it. R-E-P-R-E-S-S. Don't repress it. That's denying you are angry. There's a word for that. It's called depression. Don't express it. Don't express it in, a, in inappropriate ways, such as yelling at people, punching the door, kicking the door, kicking your cat or dog or someone else, or by being sarcastic with people or by pouting for days and days and days. The right way to deal with anger is to confess it. Just, just admit it. I'm angry. Yes, I'm angry. Even more important is to admit the cause. For instance, I am angry because I'm really hurt. Or I'm angry because I'm really frustrated. Or I'm afraid, very afraid. When you are really angry at someone and you tell them you are angry, they can get very defensive. But if you, but if you say, if you say, you know, I'm hurt, I'm hurting, their defenses go down. If you say, I'm afraid, their defenses go down. It's much easier to deal with a person's hurt, fear, or frustration than it is to deal with their anger. All right? Here's some practical helps which I personally use. Practical helps which I personally use in dealing with various forms of anger. I hope you might write these down because I, I really believe long-term they can help you so much. Number one, pray for the Lord to help you to get over anger. Some of you, some of you can testify how you know that it's been the Lord that has given you victory over your temper. It's the Lord who has given you victory over the anger that you have, you, you, you have wrestled with, perhaps for a long time in your life. If we had a chance to have testimonies, you'd be able to testify of your victory over anger through God's grace, mercy, and power through his Holy Spirit. So pray for the Lord to help you. Secondly, when angry, go for a long walk or a long run, or a bicycle ride. 
Physical exercise often helps to reduce your stress level and it reduces anger. It really does. Some of you have gym memberships and when it's possible to go to, to the gym, you, you, might, you might do that when you feel angry to get your exercise in the gym, whatever is possible. Thirdly, here's a third practical idea or a help. Thirdly, change your expectations when the other person repeatedly won't do what you want. Now, please remember this. Someone said to me recently that they heard me say this oh, many, many years ago, and, and, and they put it into practice, and they said, Pastor Nick, it's incredible how much that, that one truth has helped them in their life. Change your expectations. For example, let's suppose you expect your spouse to make the bed every day, but they keep forgetting, or they just won't do it. You can keep getting angry over the fact that he or she won't make the bed, or their side of the bed, or you can change your expectation and say, an unmade bed is not the end of the world. Let me stop making that demand and stop being miserable and mean about it. And either, either I'll take the two minutes to make the bed or I'll just change my expectation. It can go a long ways to promoting peace. Amen? If your teenage son or daughter keeps their bedroom messy, you could be angry with them throughout their teenage years. I hope you won't be. You could be angry with them throughout their teenage years, or you could change your expectation and say to yourself, you know, for the most part, my son or daughter is a wonderful person. Let me focus on the positive things in their life and enjoy their teenage years instead of always being angry with him or her. Right? It may be that some of you parents need to make that choice, that decision today, for the larger benefit of your family. I sometimes chuckle how when our, our daughter was a teenager, she's a grown-up young lady now, with two precious little children, but I sometimes chuckle when our daughter was a teenager. Her bedroom sometimes, not always, but sometimes looked like a hurricane hit it. And it bothered my wife and I. Uh, by the way, I'm not the greatest example uh, of keeping everything neat and tidy. All right. But ever since, anyway, ever since, ever since our daughter got married, however, her bedroom and her house looks like a showroom. Looks like a showroom, even with two small children. How did that happen? I don't know for sure. Maybe it's because of her husband's expectations. But whether it's you or me, sometimes we have to be careful we don't make majors out of minors. Right? So, what did I just say? I said, pray for the Lord to help you get over your anger. Secondly, when angry, go for a long walk or run. Thirdly, change your expectations when need be. And here's number four. Number four is give yourself time to get over your anger. Give yourself time. For example, 
If someone says something or does something to me today which makes me very angry, usually by tonight or by tomorrow afternoon, my anger will be almost gone, almost gone or totally gone. Oftentimes I'll say to myself, why did I get so upset about that? It was really no big deal. And maybe you've done that too, right? Occasionally, something might happen which will take you and me much longer than a few hours or a few days to get over our anger. It still angers me that George Floyd died as a result of a police officer holding his knee on his throat for nearly nine minutes. Still bothers me. And it probably still bothers you too. It still bothers me that in 2018, for no reason at all, no reason at all, a man drove a van down Young Street in Toronto, Canada here, killing 10 people and injuring 15 others. There was no reason for it. No reason. It still bothers me the last year in October, October 2019, 39 people were found dead in a truck trailer just east of London, England. The people were being transported from one country into another and somehow and for some reason they abandoned the truck with the dear people locked inside. They could not get out and they died in that truck. That angered me then. It still angers me. Why in the world would someone do something terrible like that? Evil. Just doesn't make sense. When you and I see mistreatment, discrimination, and injustice, it can take a while to get over our anger. But with the Lord's help, we can get over it. Amen? All of us need the Lord's help to enable us to practice self-control and to have victory over anger. You and I need, we need the Lord's presence inside all of us, inside of us, to help us. Do you have the Lord Jesus' presence inside of you? You need him. I need him. We all need him to help us experience victory over all forms of anger. How can you and I have the Lord Jesus inside of us and, and with us, empowering us, by his Spirit, to experience victory over anger. Here's how. Here's how. Seek forgiveness of your sins. Ask the Lord to forgive you for your wrongdoings. Believe that Jesus died on the cross of Calvary to pay the price for your sins. 
Ask the Lord by faith to come into your heart, into your life. Jesus says in Revelation 3.23, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. How do we open the door? By repentance, by repenting. Would you open the door of your life to Jesus? And then, my friend, you can thank him. You can thank him for having his presence in your life. You can thank him for the promise of heaven that he gives to you and to me. So that when our time on earth comes to an end, our eternal home is heaven. If as yet you have not invited Jesus into your life, would you pray this prayer with me? Would you just, would you just pray this prayer with me right now? Dear Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I know I can be forgiven because Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. I receive your forgiveness by faith. I open the door of my heart, my life to you. Come into my heart, come into my life, dear Lord Jesus. You have said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. Come in, come in, Lord, come in. Make me, mold me, help me to become the person you want me to be. And thank you, Lord for the promise of heaven. And thank you, Lord, for the help you are giving me and will give me to have victory over anger. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to invite you to go to our website, rosewoodchurch.ca. And tell us of the decision that you have made. And register for our new Christians class. Our new believers class. Whatever you want to call it. New believers class. New Christians class. Same thing. I want to encourage you to register. And join us for the upcoming class. So that you can, you can grow spiritually. We love you. Let's continue to worship through this beautiful song. And then I'll come back and have a closing word with you. God bless you.